When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. said sometimes with the British film industry it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning let's find out welcome to another Britflix.com podcast my name's Stuart Wright and welcome back to the show Wendy Mitchell thanks for having me again Stu absolutely my pleasure now it couldn't be more different the reason we're talking from and I'll remind people when 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 you were very very gracious with your time and did two podcasts with me about film festivals and film festival strategies, you were uh, you were lending your expertise and giving people lessons learned so they don't have to um, to help them get their films seen and get their films reviewed and stuff, which was really really useful. Now we're going to talk about a topic that's very dear to your heart in the movie business, oh, is it not? Oh yes, oh uh, yes. Um, you've written a book, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you and I'll let you I'll let you announce it. What's the book called? The book is called Citizen Canine: Dogs in the Movies. Um, obviously, that is a pun on Citizen Kane for your younger listeners who might not have heard of that film. Uh, no, I, I hope they have all heard of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fun book. It's hopefully not completely silly. We sort of uh, take it mostly seriously although obviously it's a very fun topic where it's an enjoyable read i hope but looking all about canine actors throughout the history of the movies the book covers 100 years uh from 1918 with charlie chaplin to some films from 2018 uh so yeah it's, it's learning about dogs we love in the movies sort of uh the actual role they're playing you know the famous characters but also the real dogs who played those roles. Tried to learn a bit about them. Talked to some trainers about how they train dogs to work in the movies. Um, yeah, it was basically me indulging my two favorite things, which are dogs and movies, and spending a year watching a lot of canine movies. Fantastic. So for the for the dog loving filmmaker and Britflix podcast fan out there, when when can they get Citizen Canine? It's going to be out on February 10th uh, in the UK. It's published by the genius Lawrence King Publishing in, in the US. It's in Chronicle Books, and it'll be out in a few other countries as well. So you can look for it at fun bookstores. And, of course, the big giant online retailers have it. Uh, and, yeah, maybe even some specialist shops. So it's really exciting that it's coming out. It is. It is. Now... I, I first sort of was aware 
of your <laughs> greater interest in dogs and movies through through a subsection of um, the awards part of Cannes Film Festival, um, a little a little offshoot that that's formed. Um, that I think is it is it called Palm Dog? It is called the Palm Dog, um, and it's founded by a brilliant guy named Toby Rose who um, just had this great idea to honor the best dogs in the films at Cannes every year. And it's a great sort of social event um, on the last Friday, usually the last Friday of Cannes. Um, last year was the 19th edition. That's so it's been going for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's usually you know, more than you think. You know, you think of Cannes as the home of the auteur, these very serious films. But there's always some good dogs in those films. Uh, last year, Quentin Tarantino won. Well, Quentin didn't win. Brandy. Brandy the dog won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But Quentin Tarantino showed up at the Palm Dog Awards in Cannes to collect the, the honored collar for Brandy. And he was really chuffed to win this prize. Um, so people really get into it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, Toby Rose has been running that for 19 years. It's going to be um, in 2020, the big 20th anniversary of the Palm Dog. Um, I should say I have nothing official to do with the Palm Dog. I've served on Toby's jury last year, which was a, a very fun task. Uh, and no, no, of course. You know, I mean, I, I, you're, you're celebra the reason celebrating dogs. You're the reason I, I'm I'm aware of it. It's uh, it's uh, yeah. No, and I've also written about the palm dog a bit. Of course, uh, yeah. that's kind for of... Screen International. But it, you know, it's it, it, you'd be shocked at the number of film crews there. Toby gets some sort of looky likey dogs to come. It's just such a fun event. So if people are going to be in Cannes, um, especially in 2020, look out for the 20th anniversary of the Palm Dog. Oh, Who will go home with the collar this year? We don't know. <laughs> so, in terms of Citizen Canine, then where where does that start for you as as a book? Are you are you making notes about your favorite dogs and stuff, or are you? Yeah, you know, I think I've always loved dog movies, and when I was editor of Screen International, obviously I was not really writing about dogs much, you know, it's usually more serious topics, but the, like the art director and the design director used to make fun of me that any chance I got to sort of put in a, a film still with a dog or an animal, they're like, what is this? You know? And then it was about 15 years ago. I was at the AFM, you know, very big, serious film sales convention in Los Angeles. And and that was the year they had a new Lassie film coming out. And so to promote that, they a publicist brought around this dog called Hey Hey, gorgeous La uh, collie dog. And I, they said this dog, Hey Hey, was descended from Pal, who was the first Lassie. And I was just sort of amazed at that sort of Hollywood history sort of coming to life. And also just this amazing looking dog really sweet put its little paw on my knee and you know i was in love um so from all that it kind of i just began i think becoming more and more obsessed about dogs and movies and you know then we had films like white god you know that had like 200 dogs in it yeah um and it seemed like more people were talking about dogs and movies and i just couldn't believe that nobody had really written a book like this because i i think there's just a great history you know if you go back to you know, Ren 1010 and Strongheart, you know, these dogs were way bigger than the human stars 
of the time. They got more fan mail. You know, it, there's been such an interesting history. So I thought it would be fascinating to to look at look at it a little bit more deeply and just really celebrate the dogs. So in that sense, then, so with that with that kind of you know journalist inquiry head on, what what's been say three of your favorite finds in terms of what kind of what you wouldn't have known going into it and what you found having done a book like this about dogs mm, and movies? Well, um, as as this is, uh, you know, a British podcast, I think I have to mention Digby, which when I started... The, the biggest dog um, in the world? Yes, that one. <laughs> um, which, you know, I grew up in America and never heard of Digby. Uh, so when I was starting the idea for the book, I was telling a friend and she was like, well, you have to include Digby. And I was like, you know, who's Digby? And then I watched the film and I was like, oh my gosh, this is um, kind of crazy if you look at it from today's lens. You know, it's quite dated, but really fun. And you've got this, you know, dog being made to look like a giant dog. And it's, you know, an English sheepdog and he looks great. And it's got kind of a carry-on, you know, vibe of humor to it. So that's definitely a film I had not seen before I started researching the book. Um, you know, I, there's a Spanish or it's an Argentine film mm-hmm. called Bonbon El Perro, okay. which <clears throat> is just a gorgeous little film. And I, you know, I found out later it had won a prize in San Sebastian, which I also work for. So, you know, it's sort of a beloved film by cinephiles, but just got this, and it's about this, you know, really sweet relationship between this sort of down on his luck guy and he gets this dog in his life and he thinks this dog's going to turn his life around and just sort of a wonderful almost like a road trip film with them as well um trying to think of other sort of surprises i mean in re-watching beginners the mike mills film with ewan mcgregor and christopher Plummer, hmm. just sort of remembering how essential that dog was in that story and then reading about how the film was made i talked to the trainer who's an amazing woman named matilde de cagney and she you know, it was saying that actually on the set of that film, Ewan McGregor and the dog bonded so much that there were some scenes that she wasn't even on the set. I mean, this is just unheard of because, you know, dog wranglers have a big job to do on a film set. Dogs don't just sort of act natural and do what you want on camera. But mm. because they were just wanting to capture this sort of relationship between you and and this little dog they were able to do that, which I just thought that was really cool. You know, they, these dogs, I think have emotions and they're connecting with the the people and you, it's sort of looking at the film now. And I think you can kind of see that love between you and, and the dog, maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but um, yeah, those are sort of this kind of surprising things I, I found out about. Is it, is it safe to say that Cujo is the scariest dog in your collection? Yes. I think that's, safe to say um i mean the the sort of sam fuller's white dog uh is a pretty intense film as well it's about a dog that's trained to attack black people by a sort of white supremacist i mean it's a terrifying concept and that dog's pretty uh intense as well but i think cujo for classic scary dog i don't think you're gonna get much better than that um you know, and in fact, I talked with the publisher, you know, do we even want, this is not a, a sort of picture book for kids necessarily, but mm. do we even want to 
have a big old bloody picture of Cujo <laughs> trying to, you know, rip somebody's throat apart in a car. Um, and what we did was sort of agree that, yeah, I mean, he's important in sort of dog movie history. And we tried to put a picture in that show, shows Cujo maybe more iconic. He's sort of shot from the back. Yeah, it's um, beautiful he, with the, with the setting yeah, set so sun. Yeah, you don't really see the blood matting all over his fur. So there's no nightmares. Yeah, I'll let the list, listener into the a little piece of my identity that's not evident from me talking about <laughs> film. Is that when that film came out, I was probably at the peak of my dog phobia. And um, oh. it's safe to say that that film didn't help. Yeah, I was going to say don't watch it, uh, but it's too late. Um, yeah, obviously Cujo is a film about a dog that gets rabies and i think it is rabies yeah yeah well um, it's kind of described yeah, that yeah. way but it's kind of like i mean at yeah. the time as well it you could, he goes mad you could yeah. couple it with britain's public information service about what rabies was which was <laughs> everyone's going to be frothing at the mouth if you so much as look look at a cat on a spanish market you know it was yeah a, we, were, we were terrified of it <laughs> um and well i should say that all that slobber with cujo yeah. um it's just egg whites so nobody has to be scared it's not real slobber. <laughs> He's sleep. not foaming. I shall sleep it's easy. Egg whites. So yes. uh, uh, obviously, doc, doc, the, you, 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 you've talked about your own projection, and I think it's mm. safe to say that one of the things that dogs manage to pull off easy as characters within films, if it's not a film about them completely, is that they're a, they're a they're a they're a brilliant emotional crutch to to let characters and the film rest on, in terms of. Um, <clears throat> in terms of their involvement in it. Um, exactly. I, we project, so we can project so many emotions onto these dogs. So and I think somehow in a way that you can't with a human, maybe because they're not talking most of the time. Um, but yeah, you can really, and everybody's, well, maybe not used to, but most people have loved a dog or known a dog. They, I've loved them now. I've loved them and, now. I'm better than okay. I was. I mean, if you'd have asked 12 year old me, then you'd have been, you'd have been struggling. Hmm. But yeah, I think that we can sort of, you know, our hearts melt a little bit with dogs and we can kind of, you're projecting maybe a dog you loved or you're feeling sad because you lost your dog. Uh, so I think that's one of the re reasons these films are so sort of magical. I mean, looking looking at something like looking at the way you, you give us sort of a description of a story and people involved and then a few snippets with, with certain things and looking at, say, um, Big Red 1962 Red, the Irish setter, iconic hmm. Iconic dog roll, and uh, and then you go, then you go. More than sixty puppies were used during the ten month shoot, and you kind of like which mm. which dog was I watching? It's hard to know. <clears throat> that's one thing I definitely learned because I would think maybe you've got one dog and a sort of stand in. Yeah, that's that, naively one... that was what I thought. Yeah, me too. Um, but something, especially when you're dealing with puppies, I mean, they grow so fast. And think if you're shooting a film. Well, first off, you're not shooting chronologically. You're screwed. Um, you're going to need some other dogs. Um, or even if you're shooting a film for five weeks, those puppies change each week. Uh, so, yeah, it, well, actually, in Big Red, they, they shot for 10 months back when Hollywood had money, I guess. Um, and, yeah, so you needed that many dogs just to get to sort of cover what you needed and also for some continuity. No, without a doubt, without a doubt. So, what was your um, what would what's your what's your favorite? What's your, have you got a favorite dog of this collection? 
Oh, um, God, it's hard to, you know, pick your favorite child, depending on the day. Some days I might say Benji, um, just one of the most iconic movie dogs. And he was mm. sort of a mixed breed mutt. And, you know, he was already 14 years old when they shot that film mm. and just became such a 70s icon. I remember, you know, when I was a kid seeing Benji stuff around. Um, and I think Benji really emotes. And I, I don't think I'm projecting here. I think you can see some emotion in this dog's face uh, more so than some other dogs. So I'm a big fan of Benji. Um, of course, Uggy. We all remember Uggy from the artist, R.I.P., um, you know, I think Uggy was just an amazing performer. You know, you can't even begin to imagine that film, The Artist, without Uggy in it. And, you know, I think the the director, Michelle Hazanavicious, even, you know, met the dog, sort of cast the dog. And there was there was a dog in the script, obviously. But then mm. they learned all the tricks Uggy could do. And then they added those into the script. So Uggy sort of, you know, was more than a walk-on he got to show all his talents off. So those are some of my favorites. I mean, every day I probably have a different favorite. But my favorite, yeah. uh, and, and it's, it's, linked more, it's linked as much to my experience watching the little fella, or whichever little fella it was that upset mm -hmm. me at the time, is uh, my dog Skip. Skip the... Uh, I didn't think I could cry over a dog no. movie. And and just to just to let the listener know that I do care about dogs, I'm not I'm not okay. a complete nihilist. Cried my little eyes out with that one, and, mm. and it's like, and what's amazing about it is you can see it coming from about a mile off, and there's nothing you can do to stop yourself. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's you know the most artful film, but I I oh, would say on. my dog Skip would be one of the one of my favorites in the book. Yeah. Um, and I do say this, and it's. I find that film so moving. It gets me every time. It's amazing. I think it's... Uh... Yeah, I just think it's so well done. That dog's really cute. Um, in fact, I, that dog was trained also by Mathilde, who worked on Beginners. Um, and she also trained um, Eddie from TV's Frasier. Oh, right. So okay. she's really good with these terriers, obviously. Mm. Um but yeah, Skip, oh my goodness, that it just breaks me in such a good way. You sort of have a good cathartic cry every time I watch that film. And and I think I think the coolest dog is um and obviously this is purely my subjective view of your book, is Lucy mm -hmm. from Wendy and Lucy. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I mean I was so I was really touched. You know, Kelly Reichart is a film director I love, her work. I've interviewed her in a more serious fashion for screen before. And I sort of sent her a note saying like, you know, could you tell me about Lucy from Wendy and Lucy? And, it, you know, Lucy was Kelly's dog. And she, I think, was so touched that I was considering Lucy as one of the best screen dogs. You know, obviously it was just her pet dog that she didn't really train. She wanted it to be very natural on screen. It, it bonded with Michelle Williams and, I think that's such a beautiful film. And yeah, again, that's not like a kid's movie or some kind of silly CGI dog movie. I mean, this is the heart of that film is the relationship between Michelle Williams and the dog. I remember shaking my fist at the film going, what are you buying bloody dog food for? You can't afford it. You can't afford but dog food. That's what dog owners do. <laughs> But it's it's in, yeah it's like obviously it's it it 
they 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 are a kind of point an easy point of reference for kind of getting our emotions out and stuff and and, and mm. obviously there's 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 a number of silly films you know the kind of Marley and me type stuff which is it's 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 meant to do what it does it's not trying to be anything yeah. else and uh, yeah or something like marmaduke mm. you know Turner and uh, Hooch. speaking of the the opposite of great art marmaduke i, I think <laughs> um you know it's kind of a terrible film but the dogs are great um, you know, I've got the Adam Sandler movie. Um, what's it called? Little Nicky. Little Nicky, yeah. And you know, this is terrible. I, <laughs> a terrible movie to me. But that dog, Mr. Beefy, is so good. And it sort of, the film sort of springs to life for me when Mr. Beefy's on there. So just because I don't love an Adam Sandler comedy doesn't mean I can't respect Mr. Beefy, you know. I must admit, as, as much as you opening my eyes up to um, the Palm Dog, uh, anybody that wanders into the the uh, the, mar- the film market at Cannes won't fail to notice the amount of n- even l- below the level of what we're talking about in terms of oh those. yeah, sort of D list, you know, straight I've to got, video I, I type. I've bought, I've bought I bought Vamp Dog, which is about a Jack Russell that's a vampire. Okay. I, I I think I've heard of that one. It did not make the cut. No, the I'm not. Book, I would, it wouldn't. It wouldn't make many cuts. You're not advocating. It wouldn't no. make many cuts. It's just. It was. It was. It was purely and simply somebody. <laughs> it's a dog that's a vampire because almost like as if they've shook a, <laughs> they've shook a bottle up and gone. What have we done? Did a little. One word. Two words. There we go. Vamp dog. Um. What was getting a kind of like sharknado? Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm being very. I'm. I'm having only glanced through it. Is it? Is it? Am I? Am I? Am I observing right that the Jack Russell appears to be cinema's favourite dog, in terms of the the higher end of it? Because it's they, it seems to be more than any other type, and yet that's brilliant. That's brilliant in many ways because the Jack Russell isn't a pure breed, yet it's recognisable, like that. Yeah, I I do think Jack Russells are really popular in cinema. I think they're pretty easy to train. Mm. Um, I think the, their coloring looks really good on the screen. Um, you know, if you have like an all black dog, for instance, you, it's hard to shoot that dog with yes. human actors, yes. you know, and light it to look so you could see its face. Um, but yeah, I mean, or maybe this is also my bias. As you know, I love a Jack Russell. So maybe I was. You're talking to a Jack Russell you know, favorite, in... favorite house. We have, I think we've got five. Yes, I, I, I think we have five cushions well with Jack Russell's on. Yeah, because they're so damn cute. Um, but yeah, they have appeared in lots of films. I mean, obviously, there's some, you know, German Shepherds were, were popular, especially in sort of early Hollywood. Bulldogs look great. But yeah, I think you're right. It's and terriers in general. You know, there's a Parson Russell Terrier in Sightseers, one of our favorite British films. Mm-hmm. There's a Border Terrier in Something About Mary. Uh, so I think terriers might be pretty good to work with, and as well as looking good. So in t- now to uh, to channel out some of the sort of helpful things that you've learned from people that d- that deal with dogs <laughs> on set, and mm. thinking of the filmmaker listening in now, what would be a couple of top tips that you've you've learned from dog handlers and trainers or directors yeah. that have worked with dogs that you could pass on to a filmmaker who is is choosing to avoid the adage of don't work with. Uh, Animals or children. Children or animals. Yeah. Um, that's obviously a very famous saying. And I think, you know, I think you've got to know what you're getting yourself into. Um, 
But I think, you know, don't be scared of it. A lot of directors say it's just really wonderful working with animals. Um, Todd Solons, on the other hand. Go on. Uh, he, he made a film called Wiener Dog. And he, he just said, you know, these animals were so stupid. Like, he was saying, you know, not he's not a huge dog person, but especially the Dotsund, who I, I love a Dotsund, but Todd, not me, was saying, oh, these these are like the stupidest dogs. And it took them like eight hours to film one of them walking on this treadmill that they could use five minutes of footage, you know? Um, so he was a director that didn't really thrive with it, but, you know, even somebody, a great director like John Huston, um, with Annie, mm -hmm. you know, working with that big dog, uh, what kind of dog is that? That's an otter hound, you know, working with Sandy, the dog, he said he absolutely loved it. They gave a lot to the film. I mean, I think the key thing is having, um, a trainer who you get along with and, you know, who seems to love the dog. You know, the trainers I talked to really seem to have great affection and respect for these dogs. They don't just, you know, rover, go out and lick somebody's face and go back in your cage. You know, I think they really work with them. They see each dog as a different kind of personality. Um, so it's not one size fits all. Um, but I think, you know, hiring a great trainer would be if there's a director out there, um, that would be the the top tip. It's probably really obvious. And then, you know, there's things like keeping a calm set, having as few people on set, just because, you know, dogs can be really distracted by all the lights and all the people and by other animals and, and that kind of thing. Um, and also treats, you know, treats, meat. Um, you know, you can dangle a piece of meat in front of a dog's eye line and get the look you want, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> it, it is sometimes as basic as that well look um let's remind people then when can uh, people get citizen canine citizen canine will be out february 10th uh hopefully at all good books stores and i should mention um the amazing folks at picture house central mm -hmm. um are working with us to do a dog friendly screening on february 16th it's going to that's in london uh, you know the one at piccadilly circus um picture house central Pitchell House Central, and we're going to do a preview screening of Disney's new Call of the Wild, which stars Harrison Ford. Um, and you can bring your dog along. You sort of buy one ticket, you get the seat next to you for free to bring your dog. Isn't that brilliant? So hopefully lots of dogs and their owners. Um, I'll hopefully give a little chat at the beginning about the history of dogs in film. Nothing too long. We don't know how big those dog bladders are. You know, we don't want them there for hours. Um, but yeah, Picture House says that, that the dog screenings work very well. The dogs are well behaved. You know, they give them blankets and everybody loves it. And I think we might have some treats for the dogs. Um, so look at the Picture House Central website for info on that. That'll be February 16th. Um, that is truly amazing. But yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, who, You're going to have to borrow who, your dog again, Stuart. I, I think I'd just I think I'd probably just look at the back and go, oh my God. Okay. It would be, you might be my mind. curled up. In no, the it would corner. be too it, it would be, be too much. much. It would be too, I, I'm not I'm yeah. not afraid to admit it. But that is amazing. Okay. That is amazing. Um it just gives me to say then thank you very much for giving us your time on the Brookflix podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry, 
It's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.